When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Woo! Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 7 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast as we are left reeling in defeat to FC Midtjylland of Denmark but there's a slight improvement away at Shrewsbury Town in the Cup. Yes, this is the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. I'm Harry Robertson and as always I'm joined by Jack Tate. How do you sum up the last week, Jack, with a 2-1 defeat, one of the worst I can remember in the last decade or so, and then a professional performance, a good one against Shrewsbury in the FA Cup, sending us to the quarterfinals against West Ham. Exactly. As you said, it was a real, real low point Thursday night. It really was one of the worst nights that I can I can remember in the last, yeah, as you said, the last sort of decade, really. It, was, it, wasn't even, it wasn't even the fact that we lost, it was just the way that we lost. It was, it was just such a gutless performance. There would just seem to be a lack of effort from the majority of the players and you know just some of the sloppy mistakes people like Michael Carrick giving the ball away so many times it's just it was just ridiculous to watch to be quite honest and then on the flip side I'm not gonna I'm not getting too carried away with it by any means because we are we were at the end of the day playing league one relegation battlers but then as you said a professional job against Shrewsbury Town they're always um potential banana skins those fixtures but we did a really good job of quieting the crowd early on and got those couple of first half goals which really settled the nerves and Jesse Lingard finished the job off well in the second half. Only downsides were two more injuries to Will Keane and Jesse Lingard just to add to our, what is it, I think I think that makes our 13th and 14th injured player now. Um, so yeah, that was the only blot on uh, what was a, a pretty good performance. Yeah, it was a good performance and it was probably one of the only times this season that I've sat there watching United and I didn't think even in the first sort of 25 minutes when we had lots of the ball but weren't scoring and even we only probably had two or three chances then I didn't think that it was going to be one of those games where we had lots of the ball uh we were on top and we we eventually didn't win and it was it was quite nice to have that for once best player on the pitch is quite hard to decide everyone was everyone was good really Memphis probably gets an honourable mention in that for his efforts I thought he ran into players a bit too much do you feel the same though yeah it seemed it seemed like a night of Memphis really really trying to impress and at some points he seemed to be trying a little bit too hard uh, especially in the first I think I'm sure I remember the first six minutes he, he already had Two wild attempts um, at 25-yard shots. His free kick in the first half that hit Anthony Martial on the head might have been uh, might have been going in, but we'll never know. But yeah, he did he did have a good game. I thought other other notable performances 
were from Juan Mata, I thought I thought was very good. He improved quite a bit in that game uh, and the Herrera. We've been quite critical of him on, on here, but he did have quite a good game. When we discuss Midgerland in a few minutes, I, I think we'll be very critical of Herrera again. Schneiderlin was quietly good. Um, 99 passes more than anyone else on the pitch. I think 10 more than anyone else on the pitch. I thought David Blind was really good in a game where where our defenders didn't have to defend much. A, a defender sort of shone out for me despite three goals. He, he shone out more than the, the three goal scores. He had so much to the team. He, I mean, when you see Chris Smalling stepping out of defence and he ends up near the near the box, as he did, as he did for his brilliant goal, um, he steps up near the box. You're thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? But when Daley Blind does it, you think that, that's a player who is made to do that, who as a midfielder can do that very easily. And his, his passing was excellent. He starts so many attacks with sort of... Do you feel the same about Blind in defence? And when Marcus Rojo comes back, and if, do you want Blind to stay in that centre-back role? I absolutely want Blind to stay in that centre-back role. Yeah, he's definitely been, without a doubt, an unsung hero of our season he's been very very good and it's it's really him, him and Chris Smalling actually have a really nice um really nice partnership they complement each other really well in their different styles and I, I think he's he's played really really well especially in the last couple of months since our injury problems have really really become uh, a, a problem he's really stepped up to the plate when we've needed him and I, and I totally agree that he was he was a good performer against Shrewsbury I think when when Rojo comes back his position will be or well, I hope anyway, will be primarily at left back. Although having said that, Cameron Borthwick Jackson has has played well too, so Rojo will have to make sure he keeps him out of the team. But yeah, I, I do hope and expect that David Lind will remain at the heart of our defence. Yeah, and I yeah. thought Van Hall, in terms of substitutions, had did slightly better against Shrewsbury. He brought on Joe Riley for Borthwick Jackson, an injury scare there at half time, and then Pereira got a chance, although he Definitely needs to get a much bigger chance. He came in against Midgeyland as well. I think it was only for about 12 minutes. And there's there's not much point of Pereira in that situation because there's usually it's where there's a moment of magic from him. It's not a consistent thing. He's quite inconsistent even within the 90 minutes of a game, if not over the course of a few games. And then Will Keane got a chance. Um, he got a chance a few weeks ago for a very short amount of time. I think he would have got about 20 minutes, but he came on, had a shot, hit the post. And as he shot, he strained his groin, I think maybe pulled his groin, which means we have one striker now, which which will be interesting against Midge Island and Arsenal. We'll preview those games later. Chris Smalling, it was John O'Shea at Highbury-esque. He turned away in celebration like, what am I meant to do? Yeah, first of all, I heard was that my friend, um, my friend messaged me when when he heard he was listening on the radio, um, and when he heard that Smalling scored, he actually thought it was an own goal because he was so shocked that Chris Smalling was that far up the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we saw a few headers from him last season. I think he scored as many as Falcao. Uh, bad memories <laughs> there, but in, in terms of a, an actual finish, <laughs> it was it was brilliant. His first FA Cup goal, Jesse Lingard got his first FA Cup goal. Um, we've discussed Jesse Lingard, and he's a player who most of the young players who come through I've I, I love like Varela, Borkwick Jackson, Lingard I like but there's something that hasn't made me warm to him quite as much but I, I feel I feel bad for that because he's a he's a Mancunian lad even if he moved when he was about seven or something he's been playing for more than a decade at United now and he's making it and he works hard and he seems like one of those players who'd make it in the Ferguson era who who aren't that player who's going to be 
he's going to be one of the best in the world, but they're a very good squad player. And as someone tweeted the other day, he, he said, we need, we need players from the academy who can be squad players as well. We don't, want, we don't just want David Beckham. We also need people like Darren Fletcher, uh, Johnny Evans, people like that. Yeah, I'd agree. I think we discussed Lingard when he was first making his breakthrough into the first team. And we both said that we do see his, his future at Man United as a squad player, as you said. And it, it is a role that needs filling because we can't just keep shelling out £20 million on players who we want to be squad players. At the end of the day, there does need to be some progression from the youth academy up into the first team, even if it is just to be a squad player. And to be fair to Lingard, he's done ev- absolutely everything that's been asked of him and he's been keeping Adnan Yanazai out of the team before he got injured. He's almost forced one matter inside because there really is no way that you can that you can drop Jesse Lingard on the form that he's been in. He's been really one of the bright sparks of of our play in the last sort of month and a half, two months, all of, the, of the new year, basically. Um, so, yeah, he, he has been a real bright spark. I, I'm pleased for him. I'm really pleased. And he seems like someone who, who has put in a lot of effort to get where he is, and he's waited a long time for his chance. He's been put out on loan a lot, and now it's coming good for him. Yeah, I was also pleased to see Joe Riley get a chance. He's been played not in his natural position in the under-21s, but he's still managed to be very, very impressive. And he, he's rightfully got a deserved call-up to the first team, replacing Volfrey Jackson. And there was a great picture of him after he made his debut for the club. And there was a great picture of Riley with Cristiano Ronaldo having gotten his autograph probably, what would it be, about 12 years ago, maybe 11 years ago. And then, and then there's a picture of uh, Riley playing in the United shirt now. Um, and, and there's the same with Jesse Lingard. There was a, there's also a great picture of him as I think he's about four and he's got the, the old United kit doing kick-up. So it, it, while it's not been a great few weeks for results, um, great few weeks for the academy and debutants from there, not a great week for results. Good win against Shrewsbury. Terrible, terrible performance against FC Midtjylland. The night started to go. The night went wrong. You could tell it was going to be bad as soon as David de Gea got injured. A player who's probably been injured twice in his United career. I think it was it was either an ankle or knee injury in the warm up, which left us with no goalkeeper on the bench. And Sergio Romero came in, who I thought was was very very good. One incredible one handed save to deny head early on, and then another double or triple save later on. Um, I thought he was good. Maybe De Gea would have dealt better with the deflected shot. We've seen him save some deflected shots, but I, overall, Romero is probably the only player who came out of that that game well, wasn't he? Definitely, yeah. I said that header. Uh, sorry, the save from Onuashi's header was a was a brilliant save, and he's capable of moments like that. To be fair, and even when he even when he played at the start of the season, he never did too badly. He was just unfortunately for him he's trying to compete with David De Gea one of the best goalkeepers in the world but yeah as you say it kind of foreshadowed what was to come when um, when David De Gea got injured in the warm-up it was a very dark <laughs> dark and, and somber night in uh, in Denmark yeah and I thought Romero's distribution improved quite a lot because at the start of the season the main criticism you could have of him was is very like I mean it's some of the worst goalkeeping kicks out that I've I've seen I was at the first game of season against Tottenham and every time he got the ball he either kick it out or try to chip it to the striker the, the Spurs would just intercept it instead of man of the match don't think there really can be worst performer for you for me under Herrera yeah I'd have to agree he was pretty shocking all night to be honest yeah it's one of the I, I'd say it's one of the worst United midfield performances I've seen in a very long time I mean Michael Carrick wasn't uh, as bad anywhere near as bad as Herrera but I mean both of them together uh, it was really, really terrible, giving the ball away so easily. And just 
getting on the ball, either losing it or being too slow, just looking backwards all the time. There was no inspiration anywhere throughout the team. Would you agree? Yeah, and that midfield is so it's so important in the four two three one formation. That that midfield two really needs to get a stranglehold of the game and they never really did that, unfortunately. Even in some of our worst performances this season, we've we've still controlled the game, we just haven't really done much with it. But against Michelin, we didn't even seem to be able to control the game properly, to be honest. And Carrick and Herrera were um were really ineffective on the through the whole game. And Carrick's lose pass ended up leading to to Michelin's goal. So yeah, it was a very poor night for them too. Michelin's two goals, both both quite bad. A very good finish for the uh for the second goal both of their goal scorers were actually very very good and and um their keeper was okay too as in against Shrewsbury whose keeper deserves an honorable mention did quite well to save a few a few very good chances from Martial and Memphis but the the two goal scorers from Midland were both very good Sisto and Onuicha and uh, Onuicha's goal was a good finish where Sisto's were deflected um past Romero but defending was was really really shocking for those two goals so it, it was like it was like against it was like Shrewsbury against us. They respected us and allowed us to play, and that that was the ultimately the the downfall for them. And we, it was like we were respecting Midtjylland, the team from Denmark, who are currently third in the league in the Danish Superliga. They're third. They're losing friendlies and stuff, and we're respecting them, allow, sitting off them, allowing them to just run. I think. Um, Sisto ran past three players on the edge of the box with no one even getting close, let alone putting a foot in before he shot and it was uh, deflected past Romero. Same with Onuicha, he just stepped in front of his man and curled it into the left corner. But defence was bad, wasn't it? The defence was pretty terrible all night, to be honest. Um, and I don't like to pass the whole of the blame onto the defence because at the end of the day, the whole team was pretty terrible. And as we just covered, the midfield was offering almost no help whatsoever. But it was pretty poor performance from the entire defence. Donald Love struggled at right back in his first Europa League game. And it, it was just it was strange, really, because it was mistakes that we've not seen that much this season. It looked very similar to how how we defended in David Moyes' season and in almost actually in Alex Ferguson's last season as well when our defence wasn't great. But yeah, it, it was very strange, a very un-Van Hull-like defensive performance. Yeah, it was very un-Van Hull-like. And... Uh... Donald Love and Paddy McNair both coming on. Um, McNair, his first match in a, in a very long while, and Love having made his debut against Sunderland. And both of them were out of position far too much. And I don't want to uh, lay the blame on them because they're both young players, uh, especially Love, who's just made his debut. But they were both out of position a lot. And Love was, as a right-back, you want to see him attacking, but you, you also want that bit of discipline there. And that's perhaps why uh, Van Hal sold Raphael bit of a lack of discipline in terms of defensiveness love looked forward a lot more than any other player but he looked forward too much and then he he I, th- I think i remember him charging forward and he, he was on the edge of the box with no one up there around him and no one was supporting him and he ended up being out of position and midgeland attacked and i felt sorry for him and mcnair because they're young and ultimately they made a few mistakes but they were there was very much a lack of leadership without Rooney, and I think that could be a, a big issue in the in the coming weeks. With, I mean, Michael Carrick was a captain, but he he wasn't really a leader, was he? Not at all. No, and captains are supposed to lead by example, and Carrick really really didn't do that on the night. I do I do agree that Rooney will be a big loss because I don't see any true leaders in our team other than him. Because although we do have senior players like Carrick, and I suppose. Smalling and De Gea, you could maybe fit into that mould as well. I don't think they have the leadership qualities that Wayne Rooney does. And 
especially in the case of Smalling, because although he is not a young player anymore, he's only really been an established first team player for about a year, year and a half. So it's it's difficult for him to to step up into that leadership position so quickly. I think the loss of Rooney, obviously not just for his ability and his goals as they have been recently, but for his leadership qualities as well, will be a big miss. Schneiderlin was very impressive against Shrewsbury, but as he was against Chelsea when he came on, I thought he was a really bad substitute. He came on to sort of grab control of the game, and I'll probably brought him on to do that. And it was a complete opposite. As with Chelsea, he was charging forwards, just out of control, not calming the game down like he was brought on to do. And even when he was charging forward, it was only making a negative impact. Were you disappointed with him? Yeah, I was. I was. At the end of the day, the whole team was bad. But yeah, it, it wasn't a good performance from him. <laughs> no, no, nothing more I can say really. I feel like I'm repeating myself for, for almost every player. There really wasn't any any standouts. Perhaps maybe Jesse Lingard to some extent was probably our best player, but nothing nothing special. Memphis wasn't great overall, but for the goal, I thought you did really well. I mean, it's hard to mention anything positive by Romero in that game, but Memphis for the goal. He managed to stay up despite sort of coming close to falling over and then finished even if it was sort of eventually sort of scrambled in. He, it, it, it was a good finish by him. Pereira came on. He needs more minutes. Did okay. Nothing special. It's tough to make an impact when you're 2-1 down. Um, Van Hal blamed the law of Murphy after that injury to De Gea in the warm-up. Uh, what we think was either a twisted ankle or some kind of knee injury. Um, De Gea is meant to be back soon, though, possibly against Midtjylland this Thursday. Van Hal also said that the fans should be angry with the loss in Denmark. His constant odysseys with the media is becoming, at times, kind of frustrating now, isn't it? We've discussed this a few times, and that the arrogance that we... We all actually loved when he first came to United because we thought we were getting, and I suppose we were at the time, getting what we thought was one of the best managers in the world with a, a brilliant track record. And that arrogance was something we all liked because we, we thought, you know, we're getting, without wanting to use a really, really cringy phrase, like the Manchester United swagger back. And it was, you know, I think we are Manchester United. We are the best team in the country. We have the best manager in the country. And obviously it's not turned out like that. And so, yeah, his tribulations with the media are becoming quite tiresome now. As you mentioned with injuries, um, Borthwick Jackson and Will Keane were both injured in that win against Shrewsbury. Uh, Louis van Aal has also said after the game that Anthony Martial and Juan Mata were taken off uh, as a rest. Uh, I think that sort of signifies who he sees as the most important members of the starting lineup. He described the additional two injuries to an already lengthy list as unbelievable. I mean, for all his faults, uh, you'd, the amount of sort of in-game injuries or impact injuries that Van Gaal has seen team get this season is quite incredible. And yeah, he should be able to deal with that. But uh, in an interview with Mark Ogden a few weeks ago, he said he he knew he was putting faith in it, into his youngsters when he made the squad at uh, the size it is and when he didn't buy anyone in January. Another big injury, as we've alluded to um, before the two games that we've reviewed this week, is that of Wayne Rooney. The captain has been ruled out for six to eight weeks with a knee ligament injury, although Van Gaal has refused to put a timescale on his return. He's already missed two games, could miss another nine um, in, in the following weeks. Should James Wilson be recalled from Brighton and Hove Albion? Jack has uh, at J underscore B-H-A-F-C asked. It's definitely a possibility. Depends how long Will Keane is out for because there were some conflicting reports after the game and it depends whether it's just a groin strain or he's actually um, he's actually pulled it. The problem is that will James Wilson actually get minutes if he comes here? Because I'm not sure that Van Gaal would see him as above both Martial and possibly that role of playing Memphis as sort of like the false nines, um, 
centre forward type. And I'm not sure he would be ahead of those two. And if not, if he's not, if he would still play Memphis as that sort of false nine, false nine or above him, I don't really see the need to recall him if he if he's only going to sit on the bench anyway. Although it may be it may be a nice a nice way of just increasing our options going forward a little bit. Yeah, we definitely do need more options. Keen out for I think probably if it's a if it's a groin injury, I, I'd assume it would be three to four weeks. Although as you say, there's been. No sort of confirmation from the club about that. Uh, no confirmation on Rooney either, but that's probably six to eight weeks. Um, and and that's that we have a significant amount of games in that time with Midtjylland, Arsenal, and then, and then Premier League games building up, and then possibly more Europa League, definitely more FA Cup. It's hard, as you say, because we want Wilson to be getting game time. But I mean, at Brighton, he hasn't been he hasn't been incredibly successful. Um, he he picked up an injury. Um, which is which is classic for United strikers at the moment. Um, he picked up an injury, so missed their their game on Saturday. I think you'll you'll give us a loan watch later. I think it, it is difficult because we want him to be getting game time. He hasn't been that successful at Brighton. He's done he's done okay, uh, probably good in terms of. I think we have to say good because he's he's still getting selected for the first team, which which is a positive sign. Clearly, the manager thinks he's doing well. Isn't incredibly and. We we don't want him to be sitting on the bench, but it it may become a necessity if Keane is out for four weeks because that leaves us with only Martial and Memphis. And given other injuries, Valencia, Young, etc., etc., list goes on. Uh, we can't, we also need Memphis on on the left as well because Yanazai is injured as well at yeah. the moment. In other news, both Arturo Vidal, uh, long-term United target, and Gianluigi Buffon have revealed they turned down moves to United in the past. Uh, Vidal said there was an offer from England that he liked last summer, but the size and quality of Bayern Munich won him over. I think he made the right choice there. <laughs> Another player turning us down with Arda Turan. There were links with him in United in the summer, but he said that he always wanted a move to Barcelona from Atletico Madrid, not to England or United. Former United manager David Moyes says Louis van Gaal shouldn't be sacked as United manager and that the club cannot become a second club. Although I know a lot of people <laughs> who won't care what Moyes says after that dreadful <laughs> nine months in charge. Um, the biggest news for the youth setup this week is that after almost a year without a head of the academy, Brian McClare has been replaced. Um, Ed Woodward has appointed Nicky Butt, member of the class of 92, as the head of the setup. There's been questions over his experience and his ability to fulfil the role, but I'm pleased with, with his appointment. You too, Jack? Yeah, I think it's nice to see someone who has the experience of actually coming through the academy. I mean, I'm not in, I'm not entirely sure of his um, of his credentials in terms of actually knowing sort of the, the logistics of running everything. But yeah, I think it's a ni- it's nice to see someone who's actually been through the academy. They know how they know the ideal of how an academy should work. And so he can try and recreate to some degree what he and the other members of that um class of ninety two really felt and what they went through in their experiences coming through the academy. And if we can recreate some of those but with obviously the modern sort of touch to it, then I think it's definitely a good a good appointment. To, to some degree, I almost, I'm always not fussed who it is. Just the fact that we actually have someone who we can say is now the head of the academy is is a positive step. It was far, far too long, ridiculous amount of time, really, without a, a head of the academy, and it, it was just hindering any kind of progress or direction that we could make. So I think it's definitely a positive step. Yeah, we discussed the state of the academy as I as I seem to mention in every episode in series three, at about sixteen minutes forty five, and. Uh, in my opinion, even if Nicky but doesn't have that experience of running an academy, he 
he's come through as you say which is great to have and he, he's got experience coaching I mean he, he took charge of the under 19 side that were in the UEFA Youth League earlier this season he's helped out he's, he's been a coach for I think two maybe three or four years now so he's got he's got that experience there um and the name Nicky Butt the fact that we the fact that Nicky Butt is the head of the academy could prove a massive attraction to players who are trying to decide between United and maybe another club in the northwest so hopefully that name can help with recruitment and what I have to hope is that Nicky Butt knows his limits doesn't try to run it all by himself which I think he will I think he'll try to sort of delegate as Alex Ferguson realized that he had to do while he was managing United last week Paul McGuinness resigned as under 18 manager they won their first game without him in charge as we mentioned last week against Stoke City in their latest game against West Bromwich Albion Zach Durnley opened the scoring in a 3-0 win with DJ Buffon scoring a penalty and Tyler Reid scoring the other one coach Tommy Martin is overseeing things until McGuinness's replacement is announced says rumours that I don't know where these are from that Giggs will take over the under 21s and Warren Joyce who's currently under 21 manager will take over the under 18s they played in a youth Manchester derby this week the under 18s with Callum Whelan getting a draw for United at home and Lucas and Maker scoring City's goal meanwhile having beaten City's elite development squad or under 21 side to most of us 1-0 a week ago the score was flipped away from home at City's impressive new youth stadium for the under 21s um, Ashley Brown-Smith scored the only goal of the game for City while against Reading a few days earlier the other 21s won 1-0 thanks to a Sean Long on goal trip to Middlesbrough next Monday um, Scott McTominay scored the only goal in the Lancashire Senior Cup on Wednesday that was a quarter final against Blackpool away from home so that means a meeting with Oldham in the semi-final which will be played on Monday the 7th of March behind closed doors at the Aeon Training Complex Jack, how have our lone players been doing this, this week? It's a great week actually of lone players. Only two of them actually played any part in in their team's games. Uh, Nick Powell, probably the most high high profile game uh, he's going to play for Hull. He played seventy eight minutes in the nil nil draw against Arsenal. He was he quite a frustrated figure for much of the game. Obviously, Hull didn't have, see much of the ball throughout the uh, the ninety minutes, but ha- had a solid enough game. And he had one small half chance early in the match, but that was blocked. Uh, and apart from that. Sort of a bit part role, really, but as we said, wasn't much he could do, and it will hopefully be the start of a uh, of a good loan spell at the KC Stadium. And the other United loanee to feature was Ashley Fletcher, uh, who came on in the 60th minute for Barnsley in their one 0 win against Doncaster Rovers, and actually scored the winning goal uh, with just around nine minutes to go, I believe. And yeah, he's done he's done pretty well actually. Um, scored that was his third goal and. He's also got two assists since joining Barnsley on loan. So, he's not the best standard of football, but he's he's proven that he can score goals and he has he has been a decent addition. Just another to add to the uh, the injury woes if we were ever thinking of recalling the ostracized Victor Valdez. He's also injured and did not play any part for standardly aged and Kieran O'Hara and Tyler Beckett also did not feature. Right, big week coming up after a big week. We've just had FC Midland again on Thursday night at Old Trafford. I'm sure that won't be a sellout this time. Um, 2-1 going into that. Um, predictions for this game? Do you think we'll scrape it through? I really hope so, yeah. Um, the Europa League, I know we all like we all like to hate the Europa League, but at the end of the day, Premier League isn't exactly going very well. 
So I think we do need to at least try and get some confidence up, get some respectability back into our season, if if at all possible at this stage. I do think we will when I'm sure. I'm well. I say I'm sure. I am almost sure that it can't be any worse than last week. It'd be and, hard, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it really would. And I think, with all due respect to Michelin, I don't think we we're going to have to play our best to to win the tie. So I'm hoping, yeah, that we uh, that we'll be able to come through. They weren't actually that good on Thursday. Um, and, and the main reason we lost was because we were terrible, not that they were good. I mean, they were okay. Their goals were sort of individual moments of, of greatness. Um, but I think at Old Trafford, uh, I, as I said, I don't think it'll be a sellout. I don't, don't think that many people want to watch us this season, although the real fans will still be going, of course. And I, th- I think we'll win. Um, I think we'll go through. We only need a 1-0 win to... To, to go through in the Europa League and it's, it's much easier than you think it's a much better position than the reaction assumes because it, it was a like embarrassing humiliating whatever you want to call it it was utterly terrible in Denmark but actually to get through we, we really don't need to do that much a 1-0 win would get for us given we have the away goal predictions in terms of score Jack? Uh, I'm going to go for uh, or possibly a bit ambitious with the amount of goals I think we're going to score but I'm going to go for 3-1 to United and FA Cup Having beaten Shrewsbury Town, we, we've been drawn against West Ham United at home. I think the tile we played in mid-March, I think from the 11th to the 14th of March. I think I read that somewhere. On to the Arsenal game. So, as I mentioned earlier, we're here today with our guest, Kieran Nagra, an Arsenal fan ahead of the game on Sunday. Um, Super Sunday, really, against Arsenal. Uh, big game. It'd be great to stop them winning the league, wouldn't it? Kieran, how are you? Initial predictions for the game on Sunday? I'm um, fine, mate. Thanks. Um, I think we're going to go for the win on this Sunday, and I don't think we have much reason to be negative going into it. So I'm looking towards a win, probably one nil, quite a tight margin, but uh, overall should be quite, feeling quite confident going into this one. Yeah, you're you're in good form, sort of. I mean, a, a nil all draw against Hull City at the weekend in the FA Cup. How would you sum up that? It was a lot of chances for you, but nothing really that substantial. Yeah, we had a, a lot of shots, but um, it was our second string side, so it's not going to be the one that we play against um, you. So we didn't really capitalise on all the shots we had, but we created well. And overall, I don't think it's really something we've got to be, we have to be too bothered about. Jack, initial predictions for Sunday? Tough to disagree, really. Um, two teams in contrasting fortunes at the moment, unfortunately. It's hard to bet against Arsenal, really. They seem to have gotten over that mini curse that they seem to have against United winning at Old Trafford in the FA Cup last season and then just blowing us away in 20 minutes at the Emirates earlier this season. And yeah, if you're looking at form and kind of the season so far, it is a clear Arsenal win. But we've seen strange things happen to happen in big games like this and form to some extent can go out the window sometimes. So it's tough to call, but yeah, I would definitely make Arsenal favourites. Yeah, I mean, you, you say they've got over the course that FA Cup win and then uh, the game I was at at the Emirates, which was they scored early and I thought, oh, we're going to get absolutely battered here. 3-0, quite humiliated. It could have been 5-6 or even revenge for 8-2 or something. But in terms of at Old Trafford, um, 
Arsenal haven't won any of the last eight Premier League games at Old Trafford, even if they won that FA Cup game. Meza Ozil on Sunday could equal Fabregas and Lampard for the for an entire season with an assist. Is is he your key player or Alexis? I think it's got to be Ozil. I think you just can't ignore him in these sort of situations. And Alexis, since coming back from injury, hasn't really been in the best sort of form. So obviously you'd go with Ozil for this sort of match. Up front, you got Theo Walcott, Danny Welbeck, uh, Giroud. Personally, I, I don't... I don't think Walker is of the standard that Arsenal need. So would you start Giroud and then maybe Welbeck out wide or, or does he go to the bench after a brilliant impact against Leicester after returning from injury? I think uh, you've got to start with Giroud because what he brings uh, to the team is uh, stability. You know, He drops deep, provides space. It's quite a sort of calming force in your team. But once maybe the, the game starts to not go your way in the last sort of 20 minutes or so, that's when you bring on the likes of Welbeck, Walcott, extra players who can offer a sort of burst of energy. And that's when you need those players in you know, the latter stage of the game. So I'd start with Giroud. Last season, we saw Per Mertesacker get very much exploited by uh, the pace of Di Maria and Rooney. Would you start him and Koscielny at the back? Or maybe Chambers in, in the central area? Uh, I won't go with Chambers. I don't really think he's of quality to go into this one. Neither with Gabriel as well. More to the fact that he's just coming back into injury and he won't really be ready for the match. Mertesacker's been in some good form and I think he'll still be um, helped out by the likes of Koscielny and Bellerin and such. So I, w- I won't fear too much for him, but obviously with Mertesacker and what's happened before, you just don't know. Jack, in terms of uh, overcoming Koscielny, who I think is one of the best defenders in the league, even though that's not a very strong department in the in the past few years, um, who, who do you want to see start for United at the moment? Because Martial hasn't scored for a while. Obviously, he's going to get a game with with no sort. Of, we'd have no strikers left since Rooney injured, Keane injured, um, and that's basically it. Do you, do you start Memphis on the left so he can drift inside and play up front? Yeah, I think we've got to. We don't really have much choice. As you said, our injuries are just seem to be getting worse and worse by the week. Jesse Lingard, it was revealed, also picks up a knot against Shrewsbury. So, not sure whether he'll be fit. But if so, I would expect the same front um, front four that have started the last few games in uh, Memphis, Martia, Mata and Lingard. And, and to be honest, there's not really any, any other options that we have. The only other kind of possibility is to play Memphis up front. But I can't see... That being a tactic that's employed by Van Gaal, especially not while Anthony Martial is fit. I personally don't don't particularly like seeing Martial up front. I've been quite vocal about that. But unfortunately, we don't really have many other options. So as much as I would like to see him come off the left, him him playing up front with Memphis on the left, Matter in the middle and Lingard in the right, it seems like the only option, really. Kieran, watching United this season, has it been... Uh a bag of laughs <laughs> haven't seen us being so successful or uh, like what what, do you, what have you thought of us this season well I mean it's somehow it's gotten worse from, from last season as well and you've been on a, uh, a run of bad form for a, a really long time now it's getting to the point where you just start to question you know how the quality of the players in the Knights team and, you know it's quite a sight to see obviously at the level they were just a few years ago it's uh, quite a delight for an Oz fan when you see the rise that we've been on compared to your downfall, really. Uh, looking at us, our sort of slow, dull play, uh, do you expect that again from us? And do, do you think you'll be able to exploit that with maybe fast counter-attacks, maybe Walcott if he starts or, or something like that? It looks like at the moment we're going to be playing Alexis and probably Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right. And obviously those players who are very quick 
like to go on the counter, and those are the players who um, obviously will see what your fullbacks are like, but it's most likely they're going to be quite inexperienced, obviously, with Darman and Shaw being out, and that's how we're probably going to get you uh, down the flanks on the counter attack with those basic players. And as, as you mentioned, yeah, Arsenal on the rise this season, in it, very strongly in for the title race with Leicester and Tottenham, and I don't want to say Tottenham, that'll upset you, and, and Manchester City. Um, can can you finally win it? I mean, if you don't win it this season, can you ever win it? I think this is definitely going to be our best chance. You know, you've got Chelsea who are going to want to rebuild in the summer. You've got Pep Guardiola going in, going over to City, and I think this is our best chance. And once, uh, obviously, with that win against Leicester a week ago, uh, that's probably, hopefully, going to be the turning point. And it's just going to be wins like these, which got us all the title. And I think we can do it. Jack, are you are you back in Arsenal for the league or, or Leicester or City even? It's a tough one to call because everyone seems like they want to hand it to everyone else. For a long time, I refused to consider Leicester as title challengers at all. I just thought that they would begin to fade away. And now now I, I really can't do that at all. I, I do wonder whether Leicester can hold on. because just because just Not because they lost at the Emirates, just because of the way that they lost at the Emirates. See, with that last second winner from Danny Welbeck. It's tough to bet against Arsenal because... Oh, I know none of their squad, well, other than Petr Cech, have won, and Danny Welbeck actually, have won Premier League titles before. They do have a lot more experience in that department than the likes of Spurs and Leicester. I think Spurs have a, have a very good chance. I'm sorry, Kieran, to say that, but I, I do think they have a good chance. It's just whether they can keep their players fit, but I, I would make Arsenal favourites, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I live quite close to the Emirates and go... Um, Always with Arsenal fans, it would be quite painful to. I mean, it's the same situation as um when Liverpool came close. As Gary Neville put it quite good. It's trying to choose who who you want to cheat with your wife, whether you want Liverpool or City to win the league. For me, it's quite similar, if not as to an extreme with Arsenal and City. Obviously, it's been well documented how lackluster Man United's attack has been this season. Is there any areas at all where you think that United could possibly hurt you? And if we are to have any success in the game. Where do you think it might come from? Uh, I think the way you guys are going to get a, a grip over us in this game is going to be how you uh, control Ozil. Because if you can mark Ozil out of the game, you're leaving most likely Coquelin, Ramsey, Oxford, Chamberlain and Sanchez to do the majority of how you build your attack and uh, how you fashion out chances. And first thing, when I look at those four players, you just they're not the creative type. So if you can just mark Ozil out of the game, you're significantly hindering how much how well we can do uh, attacking wise so that so that's the main uh, tactic you guys have got to employ i think if you want to stop us attacking wise that's not really defensive wise though in terms of arsenal but and you guys snatching a winner but i don't think that's what you guys can focus on right now it's more about how you can stop us from scoring looking at our, our players individually anyone you're scared of probably martial Martial, obviously, I think it's more about the hungrier players, the players that are coming in to replace those injured. So, obviously, that's the likes of Lingard and Martial. And I think those players that we've got to be most worried about. I don't really fear the likes of Depay and Mata, mostly because uh, they're seen as players who just haven't turned up this season, haven't got much to offer. Uh, so, obviously, it's the likes of Lingard and Martial. And looking at United in the managerial situation, do you think Marino should come in, Van Gaal should go out? Personally, I'd like to go... I like to see United go with a more attacking coach. I just feel that is the philosophy that needs to be taught into that team. I, I don't like the style of play that Mourinho coaches, and not many do. I just feel that that's going to hinder 
uh, United some more, even though I believe obviously Mourinho is a better manager. Thank you very much for joining us. How can we find you on Twitter? Um, Twitter is KN1886. I would say good luck for Sunday, but no. <laughs> uh, hopefully we can get a win. I, I think we... I, I can't really see us winning. I think most we'll get is a, a one or draw, maybe like at uh, the end of last season. Thank you very much for joining us, Kieran. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. It's been great. We also have a couple of questions from Twitter. We had one from JBHAFC. I think I've got those initials of Brighton right um, earlier on. Then another one from Assisting Silver, who said, should TMO be considered in football? This was after one matter's free kick against Shrewsbury was controversial to some degree, as some people thought that Perhaps rightly so that three of United's players were in an offside position when the free kick was taken and were interfering with the goalkeeper. Harry, what's what's your opinion on this? I think technology in football is certainly lacking. Um, the as we've seen the goal decision system, uh, GDS has been very very successful, and it, it it's managed. To, they've managed to create this technology that's incredibly quick. I think it's within it's in like zero point two of a second or something that uh, the signal gets given to the referee's watch. Um, I think TMO is a, a very difficult one because one of the main reasons that we all love football is, uh, and although we might not realise it, one of the main reasons we love football is uh, the flowing nature of it, the fact that it's so quick, even if it's not always that quick with United at the moment. Um, and I think TMO works in sports like cricket. Um, I think given the stop-start nature of American football in, in the NFL, I think it could work there as well. But for football, I don't think TMO is uh, is something that can be introduced yet uh, because ultimately it, it can't be that quick. Maybe uh, in rugby, you have a, a, a TV ref sitting in the stands. Maybe that could be a possibility. But then in rugby, the, the, the ref on the pitch gets consulted and he watches the replay with the rest of the fans. So uh, I think... It would have to be something that different from cricket, from rugby, from other sports that use it. And I think it, it would, there'd have to be very strict rules on it, such as like, as in which which cases you can use it, maybe just for um, goals and how many phases before the goal can, can you look back on. Because really, if it's a goal, you don't want to be looking back... Uh, two minutes before the goal's gone into a foul, you you want to be looking at maybe five or six passes before before the goal's gone in. Would you agree there? Yeah, I think it's it's really um it's really difficult actually because I've discussed this with a couple of people on Twitter before that in principle TMO is a really really good idea for football. Obviously, we all get frustrated when decisions don't go our way. I I've never let go of the fact that when. Well, I'm trying to think of the year. It's, it was between. It might have been 2007 or 2010. I can't remember. But Chelsea won the league that season um, by one point, and basically the reason they ended up winning the league effectively was because Drogba scored an offside goal against us at Old Trafford. Um, and I've never let it go from that point. So in principle, definitely TMO is something that I want to see. But practically, I'm actually not sure it could work because how do you decide which decisions you transfer upstairs to the the video referee? So. For instance, say someone's running through on goal, if the linesman flags for offside and then you then go upstairs and find out, oh, well, actually, it wasn't offside, you can't just drop the ball and let the one-on-one happen as it was. Obviously, then there's a the point with how do you restart the game and how do you decide which decisions that you check for? What If there's ones where the linesman is 100% sure, how do you decide whether you actually want to go and check for it or not? And if the linesman doesn't give it then how and, and, the, and a goal is scored, again, how do you decide... Well, actually, I think we should check that one, you know. And it, so, practically, I'm not really sure how it could work. Um, 
and the, the problem is, although the, the offside rule has become more more black and white with the introduction of that new clause at the start of um, the season, there is still some room for interpretation. There was a lot of different opinions last night on on the goal. I was watching um, a stream on, I believe it was it was Fox Sports in America, and it had um, Brad Friedel and another pundit. I'm not sure it was. And Brad Friedel was was certain that it, it should have been offside, but the other pundit was adamant that it wasn't. And I think that just sums it up really well, to be honest. It, it, the problem with officiating in football is that there there is so much personal subjectivity to it, so it's difficult really to make the TMO work properly. And there's also and the issue of um, how far does TMO go down? Because ultimately, a, a non-league club can hardly afford a the technology and b to to pay the league can't afford to pay another extra referee. Um, the other question this week. So the other question comes in from at FFS Arsenal, who asked about Arsenal's selection dilemma on the right wing for our game on Sunday. He says, should Alexis's poor form mean that he possibly has to swap wings? And who do we expect generally to line up for Arsenal on the right wing? It's hard to say. I mean, they've they've got some good options. Walcott hasn't been starting on the wing recently, but... I don't know, maybe, I doubt Wenger will, but I think he could be useful with his pace against um, whoever we can put together as our fullbacks. Um, obviously, Alexis, despite not being on the best form since returning from injury, is a huge threat. Well, a player I really like, a player who I think United should assign because he fits in so well. That that physical presence combined with the, the brilliant skill and the incredible game intelligence and an incredible work rate too. Um, on, on the right wing, I, I personally like Chamberlain, even if his uh, goals and assists sort of stats aren't great. I like him. I think he, his decision-making needs to improve massively, but I, I do like him him on the right, Jack. I, I, I think that is likely to be the, the line that Arsenal do end up going with. Um, one consideration that I would definitely have if I was selecting that Arsenal team is um, that of Danny Welbeck. Obviously, just come back from injury, he's high on confidence after that was that very dramatic late winning goal against um, Leicester. And against his former club, you know, he scored against us heartbreakingly last season to knock us out of the FA Cup. But I think he's definitely a player that I would consider starting if I was Arsene Wenger. The, the only problem is that him and Alexis both like to operate off the left. So one of them would probably have to go to the right, you'd assume that would be Danny Welbeck. Uh, however, I do expect Oxlade-Chamberlain to line up on the right. Welbeck's work rate uh, and uh, determination, perhaps, to prove Louis van Gaal wrong as he did last season. Um, when I got about two hours sleep or something returning from that game to get to, to, get to school in the morning. I, I think his work rate, much like Alexis and Pace, if he, and his finishing... Because his finishing is okay, and it's certainly better than Theo Walcott's, as as we saw against Hull in their niddle draw at the weekend. Um, his finishing could be a good addition to that Arsenal side. That wraps things up for us today. Thank you very much for listening. As we we had a lot to discuss there, four games. Thank you very much to our guest Kieran Nagra. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At UTD Tate. Thank you also to the people that sent in questions. We really appreciate your your interaction on 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 these episodes it's really good yeah thank you very much uh you can find me on twitter at harry robinson 64 and you can find the podcast on twitter at utd weekly pod pod so keep following keep subscribing keep uh, retweeting keep sharing in in any way you can and please keep listening because your support has been incredible so far 
Thank you very much for listening to Series 1, Episode 7 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Goodbye. Podcast Network.